what's good people and welcome to i guess my new daily show talks talk i don't know I'm trying something new out here uh so i'm just gonna kick shit off you know i'm about to do a little scroll through because i came across a couple stories on here a couple stories i found interesting like this one for example so republicans and it's gonna tie it's gonna tie into something else so i'm gonna let y'all know i'm gonna show y'all why i'm you know, talking about this from a Republican perspective, but um, as y'all remember last week, uh, everybody was losing their fucking minds because Donald Trump wants to end war. <laughs> I, 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 you heard right. People are losing their fucking minds because Donald Trump wants to end the wars. And no, Donald Trump doesn't really want to end the fucking wars because there's another story I'm going to cover as well, or, um, you know, coming up where, you know, it just points out that it's bullshit, but just the thought of Donald Trump ending wars, like doing a positive thing that people will see as positive, fried the Democratic Party's brain so much that it revealed that they're actually warmongers. They're actually for war. And and no, their brains is, you know, their brains are fried and everything, as you'll see, especially when it comes to the progressives. But it reveals the warmongers that have always existed. For example, Nancy Pelosi, who was complicit in the torture programs that George Bush and Dick Cheney were running because she was on the Senate committee, um, the, the Intelligence Committee, and she signed off on a briefing about their enhanced interrogation methods, which is code word for fucking torture. So that's why Nancy Pelosi didn't um, impeach George Bush or move to impeach George Bush or was in favor of impeaching George Bush because she was complicit in war crimes along with George Bush. So, but Republicans have sell Trump's decision to pull troops from northern Syria as Turkey readies offensive. Uh, Republicans in Congress have sell Trump's decision whether to withdraw U.S. troops from Syria's border with Turkey on Monday, warning that a threatened Turkish invasion would lead to a dangerous resurgence of the Islamic State, the slaughter of U.S. allies in the region, and a boon for American adversaries. Calling the decision a major blunder, Senator Lindsey Graham, a.k.a. piece of shit motherfucker, who turned his back on his friend, John McCain, his supposed friend, John McCain. I'm not a John McCain fan either, but that was supposed to be a boy. You, like, sided with Trump over him, but... That's another story. Uh, usually a staunch, staunch defender of Trump's foreign policy said in an interview, uh, his, because Donald Trump's foreign policy aligned with the Republican parties, which is infinite war. <laughs> so to all you fucking Trump fans out there, he's for infinite war, as you see here. Senator Lindsey, Lindsey Graham, usually a staunch defender of Trump's foreign policy. You know, when he kills fucking Iranian generals for absolutely, like, just randomly. Just random as fuck. Um, an impulsive decision that has long-term ramifications, like getting our troops out of harm's way. Yeah, very. And I have friends that are soldiers and everything, and I'm not trying. I'm not speaking for them or anything. So if any of them are listening, I'm not speaking for speaking for you, you know, or anything like that. But it's like I would like them out of harm's way. You know, I would like them not to have the um, their lives wasted for fucking oil and potentially die for fucking oil or going over and like stealing people's fucking resources or minerals, whatever it is. Cause we're not there to protect, um, to protect those allies or our allies in the region. We're there to protect our fucking investments in the region. Um, 
So impulsive decision that has long-term ramifications, like bringing the troops home. And uh, cuts against sound and military geopolitical advice, like infinite war. Because, you know, that, that military and geopolitical, geopolitical advice that, you know, the Afghan papers revealed that, yeah, we don't know what the fuck we're doing in Afghanistan or in the region. <laughs> um, there's no objective. It's literally, there's no end in sight. That is what the Afghan papers revealed. So... That right there cuts against sound military and geopolitical advice. Read through that bullshit because the Afghan papers already revealed they don't know what the fuck they're doing in a place like Afghanistan. So I promise you they don't know what the fuck they're doing in a place like Syria, which was a war started by Barack Obama in the CIA and Turkey. But that's another video for another day. Uh, Senate, oh, here we go. Senate Majority Leader Mitch fucking Dick McConnell <laughs> urged Trump to exercise American leadership and warned that a, a precipitous withdrawal would benefit Russia. Here it is. Here we go. They always try to. Here we go. I thought the Republicans were against fucking Russia getting, bro. Would benefit Russia, Iran, and Syrian President Bashar al-Assad, however you say that nigga name, and increase the risk that the Islamic State would... Fuck out of here, bro. The reason why the Islamic State exists the way it does there is because the United States keeps going over there spreading that fucking crazy-ass jihadist, wasabiist form of Islam and then trying to penalize all of Islam as if they're the ones doing it. And no... We're, we never say this shit about like Saudi Arabia. We never point that. We never point that smoke towards Saudi Arabia. You feel me? We never point that smoke towards them. We point it to anybody that doesn't give us their fucking oil, or doesn't prop up our U.S. dollar, or goes off of the petrol dollar. So there. That's that's all you need to know about that. Uh, some senior officials at the Pentagon said they were blindsided by the decision. So, yeah, because you motherfuckers are used to fucking throwing all this money into these wars with no objective in sight. They just want endless war. So I, basically, all you need to know about this article right now is that they want endless war. So you asked me, why would you, you know, why are you showing us this article? We already know that the Republican Party are warmongers. You know, some of you might already know the Democratic Party are warmongers. Why do you say this? Well, because they keep duping idiots like this, like fucking Ilhan Omar. Trump's move will not put an end to endless wars. What it will do is reward Russia, Iran, and ISIS. And again, we have a member of the squad fucking Russiagating. Because as if it didn't come back to bite the left in the ass prior. Remember when Bernie was like way up in the polls and then all of or he, he was up in the polls and he was doing very well. People were starting to fall in love with the guy and everything. Then out of nowhere, like the media and the fucking intelligence community, you know, fucking get together and fuck and sprout off this baby, this Russia-gating baby that is Bernie Sanders is being courted by Russia. <laughs> and Bernie fucking Russia-gated himself and said, Putin, stay out of our elections. Mr. Putin, stay out of our elections. Like, fuck out of here, dog. All y'all, look, he's, he's not leading us toward peace. He's showing the world that his political interests are more important than reliable leadership and keeping our commitments to our allies. Okay, 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 okay. He's pulling the troops out. The troops are leaving the area. So how is that not leading us toward peace? Now, whether the, the fighting continues in that region, that's up to Syria. You feel me? Now, no, we meddled, we meddled in that and shit like that. You know, we had a lot to do with that war kicking off and the violence there. But when it comes to our troops, it's going to bring peace to our troops by taking them out of harm's way. That's what happened. You know, that's what happens. There was another say, um, it was... Tammy Duckworth, I believe, 
she was like, hold on, I'm gonna pull that up. Cause that shit had me, that shit blew my mind. It's like, yo. She was saying something like, Tammy Duckworth. Uh, Trump. Troops. Where is Jonna? She recently said something about this shit. Trump troop withdrawal. Here we go. Yeah. This is the wrong way. This is why all of the military commanders have spoken up and say this is the wrong thing to do. We the military commanders that have already admitted to not knowing what the fuck they're doing in um, the region and, and places like Afghanistan. Those military leaders she's talking about right now. Want our troops home, but let's not bring them home in, in body bags. And that's so them coming home is going to get them in body bags. So the place that they've been in all these years where they end up in body bags, us not pulling them from there and, or us pulling them from there and bringing them home is going to put them in body bags. That's what she's saying right now. That's potentially what's going to happen if this president gets his way and puts his own political timeline ahead of our national security. Yeah. Regardless of the reasoning for Donald Trump doing it, pulling the troops out immediately and bringing them home is not going to put them in body bags. Leaving them there, it's going to put them in body bags. So it's like these these motherfuckers, you know, the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, they're all full of shit. That's what I'm trying to get you guys to understand. They're all, all, all full of fucking shit. So I just found that interesting because, like, the squad is always on the wrong side, you know, always on the wrong side when it comes to the Russiagating stuff. They're always on the wrong side when it comes to the Trump derangement syndrome. And, no, I did a video on YouTube, um, you know, like uh, my – um stream a thought series on, or not YouTube, Instagram. I'm talking to y'all on YouTube right now. On Instagram, where like, I defended Ilhan, and I don't, I'm not a, the biggest fan of, Il, of Ilhan Omar. I'm a fan of her policies, I, and I champion her policies. If she fought for her policies as much as she, she says she cares about them, then I would really like her, but she doesn't. That's the problem. But that's a separate, I might do a little segment about why I don't like the progressives and like the squad, literally any progressives. I still, I'm still holding out a little bit of hope for Tulsi, a little bit, but I'm almost done with her too. Cause she fucked up for me when she's endorsed Biden, but she hasn't really been fucking up since then. Cause she's been putting, you know, that Julian Assange and Snowden bill she put through, you know, she's still, she's still popping her shit. So it's like, I still hold out a little bit of hope for her, but, um, this, this, this bullshit right here, this some bullshit right here, like, and I defended her when Trump was basically trying to like, trying to compare her to like terrorists and shit like that. So like, and I, I made a video about it. I'm like, yo, bro, why would you do that? She's a Muslim in Congress in Minnesota. They already fuck with her because of her religion. She already gets, you know, chased after by, um, fucking APAC and the Israel, you know, um, dick riders in Congress and shit, which is most of Congress and the Senate. But however, you're just, you're Russia getting right here. You Russia, Iran, and ISIS. That's literally, that's, that's to scare the American people. That's to scare the, um, the lefties and shit like that. 
and trying to scare the Trump supporters, but the Trump supporters see through this shit. It's ironic that Trump supporters can see through bullshit when it comes to defending Trump, but outside of that, they can never see through bullshit. It just fucking amazes me. Like, the QAnon people and shit like that, they can see through bullshit up until, like, they see pictures of Trump with Epstein, and it's like, oh, well, they were just friends and business partners. He doesn't really like them. Oh, but what about Maria Farmer saying that his wife used to go out and recruit girls? Ah, well, you know, that's... he. They can't see through it. It's, it's fucking amazing. This is how, you know, the partisan bullshit has completely brainwashed everybody's brain. So, um, so yeah, that's my little scroll through for today. Uh, so, this is a Guardian story, and this is kind of what I was alluding to earlier or before when I was talking about the, you know, Trump's, um, you know, Trump's, um, ending the wars is all bullshit and everything. And the reason why I say it's bullshit is because of this. Iran warns of crushing response if Trump targets nuclear site. Why would they be threatening Donald Trump? Like, what would they be threatening him about? If he's ending the wars right now, why would they be threatening them? It must be those evil Islamists, those evil jihadist Islamists. But that's what you Trump supporters are saying right now. Well, however, the reason why they're saying that is because Trump sought options for attacking Iran to stop its growing nuclear program. The president was dissuaded from moving ahead with a strike by advisors who warned that it could escalate into a broader conflict in his last weeks in office. President Trump asked senior advisors in an Oval Office meeting on Thursday whether he had options to take. Um, action against Iran's main nuclear site in the coming weeks. The meeting occurred a day after international inspectors reported a significant increase in the country's stockpile of nuclear material. Um, four current and former U.S. officials said on Monday. Um, so I just want to stop right there. They may talk about it later on in the article or the parts I read, but I just want to make I just want to make this point. It doesn't fucking matter whether Iran is upping their nuclear um, arsenal or not. And um, upping their stockpile because Donald Trump ripped up the Iranian nuclear deal, which is one of the only good things about the presidency of Barack Obama. You know, you conservatives, uh, scream, scream your heads off about it all you want. That that was a good deal. Iran was sticking to the deal. They were staying to the deal. Um, the same inspectors they're talking about right now. Um, you know, when a deal was still in place, when they would go in and check on their stockpile, which Iran would let them in, you know, there was no increase in the stockpile. They were abiding by the um, agreement. So Trump went in, ripped it up, all bullheaded and everything. They don't have to abide by that now. And then especially after this year when you killed their fucking general just randomly who was on the peace summit to broker peace with Saudi Arabia. So there you go. So that 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 right there. Um. All that that doesn't that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because he ripped up the nuclear agreement. So, a range of senior advisors dissuaded the president from moving ahead with the military strike. The advisors these are these are the fuckheads that advised him not to go to war. Okay, these are the people that advised him not to go to war. The advisors, including Vice President Mike Pence, who is fucking like Zionist um, Jesus, come back as soon as you can, end of the world. Book of Revelations, Bible thumper. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who's a fucking warmonger, war hawk. Um, Christopher C. Miller and General Mark A. Milley. All these motherfuckers who want war there, but they're like, yeah, this probably isn't a way to do it. And since we're, you're on your way out the door, nigga, no, you're done. So that's telling. But 
Autos advisors warned that a strike against Iran's facilities could easily escalate into a broader conflict in the last weeks of Mr. Trump's presidency. Any strike, whether by missile, missile or cyber, would almost certainly be focused on Natanz, where the International Atomic Energy Agency reported on Wednesday that Iran's uranium stockpile was now 12 times larger than permitted under, under the nuclear accord that Mr. Trump abandoned in 2018. So there, they finally said it. It, it doesn't matter whether you know, the stockpile is 12 times larger because he ripped up the deal. And honestly, look, as a sovereign nation, you know, Iran is a sovereign nation. Um, if they feel threatened by the United States and feel that nuclear, you know, having nuclear capabilities is the only way to keep us off their backs, then look, man, I'm not for it, obviously, but it makes sense. It's basically the same strategy that Kim Jong-un Kim Jong -un is abiding by. That's the only reason why he's still in power and why we haven't gone in and overthrown his regime yet is because of his nuclear capabilities. So it's like, you know, maybe if the United States would stop being so hostile towards these countries and just leave them the fuck alone, they would disarm on themselves. Now, no, we saw Trump make, and we saw Trump make, um, you know, make waves with Kim Jong-un and negotiating down. However, like, you know, the deal, he really didn't, he, but Trump, Trump made way, you know, he, he, um, it was he he brokered deals in North Korea that you know no other president has. Just the fact that he you know actually met with the leader is saying something. But um, but that's the strategy that it looks like Iran is going with. You know, stock you know stockpiling as much nuclear um, shit as they can and making as many nuclear weapons as they can to keep the United States off their ass. And again, like I said, leave them alone. Maybe that wouldn't happen. So. Uh, the agency also noted that Iran had not allowed it access to another suspected site where there is evidence of past nuclear activity. Mr. Trump asked his top national security aides what options were available and how to respond, officials said. After Mr. Pompeo and General Milley described the potential risk of military escalation, officials left the meeting believing a missile attack on Iran was off the table, according to administration officials with knowledge of the meeting. Mr. Trump might still be looking at ways to strike Iranian assets and allies, including militias in Iraq, officials said. A smaller group of national security aides had met late Wednesday to discuss Iran the day before the meeting with the president. White House officials did not respond to requests for comment. Uh, the episode underscored how Mr. Trump still faces an array of global threats in his final week weeks in office. A strike on Iran may not play well to his base, which is largely opposed to a deeper American conflict in the Middle East, but it could poison relations with Tehran so that it will be much harder for President-elect President Joseph R. Biden Jr. to revive the 2015 Iran nuclear accord as he has promised to do. So yeah, so basically Joe Biden, the media's theory is that, you know, Joe Biden, he's trying to make it harder for Joe Biden and shit like that. Like, that's why he's doing like a lot of the troop withdrawals to make um, Biden look bad when he marches the troops right back in there. Um, and also this, like trying to ruin um, any type of good that, you know, a Biden presidency could have, which is, you know, there's very little percentage of him actually doing good while in office. But you got other fuckheads that will tell you different. But um, that's one of the few good things that would be good, though, is that nuclear accord. So, like I said, I give I'll I'll be giving Biden credit where credit is due. So, but however, however, um, Biden's just gonna you know he's gonna patch up things with Iran and then you know stoke up war with Syria and Venezuela and you know uh, all of the countries that uh, that were that's on our shit list basically.
like Iran is on our shit list, but Iran is more of like a, you know, conservative shit list thing. Although all the Warhawks, you know, being a Warhawk isn't partisan, but however, different parties have their um, focuses on the two different parties have their focuses on the two different wars. And Iran isn't necessarily on the top of the Democratic Warhawk shit list right now, whereas it's up there with um United States government seems like they're both like coalesced on Venezuela. Like they, they're they're trying to stump Venezuela out. So, but um, yeah. So that's the media theory is that he's trying to make it harder for Biden, which Biden's still going to do the same war bullshit. You know, he's still going to he's going to continue to war in Yemen and all that shit. So, uh, since Mr. Trump dismissed uh, the Defense Secretary Mark T. Esper and other top Pentagon aides last week. Defense Department and other national security officials have privately expressed worries that the president might initiate operations, whether overt or secret, against Iran or other adversaries at the end of his term. The events of the past few days are not the first time that Iran policy has emerged in the final days of a departing administration. During the last days of the Bush administration in 2008, Israeli officials concerned that the incoming Obama administration would seek to block it from striking Iran's nuclear facilities, sought bunker-busting bombs, bombers, and intelligence assistance from the United States for an Israeli-led um, strike. Vice President Dick Cheney later wrote in his memoir that he supported the idea. President Bush did not, but the result was a far closer collaboration with Israel on a cyber strike against the Natanz facility, which took out about a thousand of Iran's nuclear centrifuges. Wow, I didn't know that. Um, ever since, the Pentagon has revised its, revised its strike plans multiple times. It now has traditional military as well as cyber uh, cyber options. And why, why is that all one word? That's weird. <laughs> but um, cyber options and some that combine uh, the two. Some involve direct action by Israel. The report by the International Atomic Energy Agency concluded that Iran now had a stockpile of more than 2,442 kilograms or over 5,385 pounds of low enriched uranium. That is enough to produce about two nuclear weapons, according to an analysis of the report by the Institute for Science and International security, but it would, it would require several months of additional processing to enrich the uranium to bomb grade material, meaning that Iran would not be close to a bomb until late spring at the earliest. Um, after Mr. Well, after Mr. Trump would have left office. Hmm. So that's, that's interesting. But, um, and Iran is basically saying, bro, you buck, we're going to buck right back. So my whole, you know, my take on this is this is more so for the Trump people. If you know the people, the ones that are listening, um, all that war shit he's talking about pulling it, bull, it's bullshit. Okay, it's bullshit. Um, he's doing that to make Biden look bad with the troop um, withdrawal, while at the same time still stoking war in other places. And he's also like, don't get it twisted. He's still keeping twenty five hundred troops in Iraq, Afghanistan, and I believe Syria as well. But as I, as I did in the story earlier, he's pulling the troops out of, wants to pull the troops out of Syria. Now, let's say if he leaves another 2,500 in the region, so it'll still be, um, you know, um, still well over 5,000 troops in the area um, at the time. So, you know, Trump is, Trump is the same as Obama, okay, to, to, to you Trump supporters out there. Like, he's no different. He's a warmonger just like him. He's a war criminal. He ended up dropping more bombs than Obama. And just one term, and just one term, he dropped more bombs than Obama. You know, Obama dropped more bombs than Bush by the end of his term. That took two terms. 
And like Obama dropped so many bombs at one point, they ran out of the bomb. They ran out of bombs to drop. Hold up, I just want to show you guys that Obama ran out of bombs. Yeah, uh, the U.S. is running out of bombs to drop places. They dropped so many bombs, they ran out of bombs. So. Uh, that should let you know. Here's another Guardian article. America, America dropped 26,171 bombs in 2016. That's 2016 alone. So, yeah, so, you know, Obama ended up dropping more bombs than Bush, and Trump ended up dropping more bombs than Obama. So, um, you know, Trump is a warmonger and piece of shit, just like the rest of them. Um, he's not some savior. He's not – like, this is what – again – you need to stop believing in these politicians, okay? These politicians are bullshit. And every, you know, I feel like people know this, but still, it's like deep down, they cling on to the little, like, the, it's like a small shred of hope in everyone that they're going to do some good. And it's like, you know, or it's not, and, and if it's not hope, it's, um, well, he aligns the most with me, so I'm going to rock. It's like, but he doesn't. That's the thing. None of these fuckers align with you in any shape, any way, shape, or form. They don't give a fuck about you. So, so I wanted to cover that story along with the um, previous one to show that, you know, Trump, Trump is playing a game just like everybody else, you know, because, you know, while he's pulling troops out, he's talking about starting probably an even worse war than Iraq, you know, for for his ratings at this point. <laughs> so. So I came across this video on um, Twitter and I found it interesting, you know. Um, I don't know. See, all right. And I'll just start it off about like this. When it comes to China, I'm very conflicted on China. So I'm somebody that came from being, you know, a, you know, a staunch, you know, fuck China, this and that, da, 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 you know, and it's like, I like Trump for, you know, back when I was a Trump supporter, one of the reasons why I liked him and, you know, uh, going back and this is around like 2017 and shit like that because I really didn't start getting into politics like heavy heavy like until like 2017 2018 shit like that um but the reasons why I liked him was his tough stances on China however my opinion on China has kind of changed because I noticed like you know some I love some, some things felt fishy because there will be times when, you know, it would just be Trump going hard on China, but then it would be like both parties going hard on them, like shitting on them. And I've, you know, I've, I've always heard a narrative about how the Democratic Party is in bed with China, but they be popping the same shit. Then Biden, Biden during the fucking um, debates called President Xi a thug, like straight up, he called him a thug. And I was like, all right, but it's, it feels like it's this concerted effort to get China the fuck out of here. You know, it's a bipartisan thing. And honestly, I started reading a lot of Danny Haifong's work because I saw him on, um, I think it was, it was more, I think it was Jimmy Dore. I saw him on Jimmy Dore one time and that's kind of what like shocked me a little bit because I was like, what? Nigga, what? China be fucking censoring any people and shit. Like, niggas don't got the internet like that. But then I started reading more into it and then what got completely Shifted my thought on China was the Max Blumenthal story where it revealed. Actually, let me pull that up. It shouldn't take me too long to pull it up. Uh, Max Blumenthal, China, China. That's what Trump, Trump would be saying that China. <laughs> but uh, where's it at? It was about, if I can't find it, because I'm not going to harp on it for too long, 
That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> that LeBron joint, that's funny because that's true as shit. It's not there. Hold up. Max Blumenthal, because it was about the Hong Kong protest. Hong Kong. That's it right there, actually. Yep. This joint fucking freaked me out. Well, not freaked me out, but like, it's nutty. So basically, um, I'll just read this first part, but a prominent Hong Kong pundit and anti-China activist named Kong Sugan, Sung, I think it's Sung, that's how you say it, Sung Gan, has become a go-to source for Western media. An investigation by the Gray Zone confirms Kong as a fake identity employed by an American teacher who is a ubiquitous figure at local protests. And I also, hold up. Because it's also, they also revealed that he's like, he has ties to like a lot of um, like radio, radio Free America type things that's funded by the CIA. I'm trying to see where it's at. So I'm not trying to read to it, you know. I can't find it. But basically, like, this motherfucker, like, they revealed, he did like a whole piece of commentator named Kong Sung Gan has become one of the most prolific Hong Kong Twitter one? activists I'm gonna run. and has been cited as an expert source on the Hong Kong freedom struggle. But yeah, so I saw that John and I read the article and it was like, damn. So that kind of shifted my mind. Then the more, you you know, just like reading about China and shit like that and how they're actually hollowing out a, 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 a middle class, which struck me a, di a different chord with me. Not because it's China doing it. And no, China still may be fucked up. You know, China still may abuse, abuse its people. I don't know if I completely buy the Uyghur shit either. After seeing this, you know, this, this shit, after seeing shit like this, I don't know if I, you know, believe if I buy the fucking Uyghur shit completely. You know, if people are getting persecuted, I don't want to be a per, you know, I'm not trying to be like, a, you know, like a Holocaust denier, like, and shit like that. And, you know, or like a, per, a slavery denier, like, and sh you know, I'm not trying to be that type of person. But when you have so much information and basically like propaganda, you know, um, anti-Chinese propaganda, it's like, I have to be overtly skeptical because, you know, what we've been fed, like if like and especially people on the left, like if you know the media lies, why, why are we going to trust the media over China? You feel me? Like, come on, especially when it comes to the communist shit and everything. But what struck me was about how like I, I would read all, a lot from these independent media outlets, how China is like hollowing out a middle class, you know, and that's like, that's fascinated me because they're actually, they're investing in infrastructure. So that's where this video struck a chord with me. So I'm just going to go ahead and let the video play and then I'll respond to it. Hello everybody, this is Jingjing. Jing. So these days I'm in this Mula Autonomous Prefecture in Guangxi. And you probably already noticed I'm at a school now because there are several kids playing around me. This is elementary school here. I came here because um, this region used to be poor, so was the education facilities. But in recent years, uh, the government spent a lot of effort improving the education system, education facilities to give a better chance for the in remote regions, in poor regions. And this school was actually built with the help from a top elementary school in Shenzhen. And now uh, kids have a much fancier school. <laughs> Sorry guys, I'm 
想说明的，没有是瑶族啊，我是瑶族，我也是。我们现在在场小朋友有汉族，有莫拉莫拉族，有汉族，有瑶族，还有其他民族吗？一万，你是彝族的，你是彝族的，哦，彝族小朋友。So yeah, I find that interesting because, like, if you hear what she said, like the government started investing heavily in improving the education system there, and basically just improve improving the infrastructure, investing in infrastructure. So it's like imagine, imagine like our government investing in you know one of these impoverished, you know, middle American neighborhoods and shit like that, or you know, um, communities and everything like. Nigga, like, and that's what I'm saying. That's the point I try to make about China. Like, people think I'm like trying to simp to China. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if China is the evil empire that we try to make it out to be, only fucking America can make the quote unquote evil empire like look good. You feel me? Because like, nigga, we literally we can't even provide stimulus for our people during the pandemic, dog. Like when like thirty, you got thirty percent of the country that's facing eviction or foreclosure. Nigga, we got food lines, bro. Like I like I like I video previously I posted. I showed y'all the I showed y'all the food lines in Texas, bro, with twenty five thousand people in it. They gave away six hundred and sixty thousand pounds of food. Like people are struggling and hurting right now, and like you got the Democrats. Like, you know, capitulating to Republicans because they Democrats believe in their ideology of austerity. Democrats believe in it. Nancy Pelosi believes in it. That's why Nancy Pelosi went full Donald Trump on Wolf Blitzer during that CNN interview, because Nancy Pelosi is no different than Mitch McConnell. They're the same. They're the same dude. They're the same person. And it's like, you know, when you got people like AOC and Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, you know, when they kowtow to them and they bend a knee, you're enabling that same system that's just supposed to be there to fight. So it's like, you know, this wasn't supposed to be an attack on progressive peace, but I'll just, you know, I digress. I'll stick to the point I was saying. But imagine if our government was invested in infrastructure in impoverished countries here. And that's honestly what a lot what a lot of the defunding the police shit is about. You know, I'm not for like I'm not a person that's for like abolishing the police, like how most like conservatives and Republicans and libertarians view the protesters saying shit. Some of the protesters do believe in abolishing the police. Like y'all um Matt Nelson that comes on my show and everything, he's he believes in abolishing the police. I personally don't. I'm for reform and reallocation. I'm for cutting back on police budgets that are heavily bloated in a lot of these fucking communities and give them to these poor impoverished black communities in the neighborhood that are over policed um and just leave no opera you know and it's it's not enough money flowing through there and opportunity flowing through there that creates this cycle of you know um school to prison pipeline and shit like that like it's like just that cut them and like i said like like um it was this the the citizen the public citizen, I think that's what they're called on Twitter. They they put up this post. It was like if you were to cut the military budget by like ten percent, like I think they say you like cancel student debt or some shit like that. But like that's something that niggas talk about that people talk about all the time is you know cutting back the military budget to pay for a lot of the shit. You know people are like how are we gonna pay for Medicare for all? How are we gonna pay for this? Y'all motherfuckers didn't say shit when the Republicans were slipping in all this fucking military spending that we don't need for fucking jets to bomb more people that we don't need. For in a fucking coronavirus bill, like what? 
Y'all ain't asking how they was gonna pay for that shit. Y'all ain't asking how they how they how they, how they, how they gonna pay for that five trillion dollars they just gave to the richest fucking people in the country. Y'all ain't saying how we gonna pay for that shit. It's always when it comes to something helping people, they ask how we're gonna pay for it. And it's like again, evil communist China, <laughs> the evil empire like we like to call them, makes America look bad by investing in its own people. Only America, only fucking America can make the East, quote-unquote, evil empire of the world look good. And that's the fucking problem. So, uh, I'll just, I guess I'll just go ahead and end it there, and I'll just move on to the next segment. So, now I'm going to move into this Nancy Pelosi story. And that's a doozy, guys. Here we go. People are sick of this lady, bros. People are sick of this fucking woman. Like, you know, it's like the, the pieces of shit that, you know, make everybody's lives miserable when it comes to politics, just never fucking go the fuck away. And Nancy Pelosi is like that fucking persistent cockroach that just won't go the fuck away. And, and you know, as you see with the title, uh, Pelosi wins the um, nomination. That That's not what the title says. <laughs> but, um... But yeah, Nancy Pelosi, like, they nominate her to be the speaker again. It says they have control of the House. She's going to be the speaker. So House Democrats nominated Nancy Pelosi on Wednesday to be the speaker who guides them again next year as Joe Biden becomes president. And she quickly seems to suggest these will be her final two years in a leadership post. I, God fucking help, please, please, please. But it doesn't matter because an ass clown like fucking Clyburn or some other fucking stupid ass um the Hakeem bull i forget what it is Hakeem Jeffries i think is his name he's going to take over but it's like you know they hope i hope she's gone she leaves uh the california democrat the first woman to be speaker was nominated by acclamation as the party's lawmakers used a pandemic induced virtual meeting to pick their leaders pelosi had already served 6 years in a job but the next two lumas are toughest after unexpectedly after unexpectedly losing at least 10 incumbents in this month's election, Democrats will have about a 222-213 majority, the tightest margin in two decades. The prospect has demoralized many Democrats and ignited blame trading between moderates and progressives over why they flopped on election. Well, no, what happened was you had the corporate Democrats basic and fucking Republicans, just flat out Republicans like John Kasich, Blaming progressive policies like Medicare for all as the reason why Democrats lost in the Senate and lost seats in the House and why Joe Biden almost fucking lost. And I say no, fucking John Kasich. The reason why Democrats lost is because they're not embracing those policies. They're not embracing Medicare for all. They're not embracing Green New Deal. And it's like, you know, I'm not a person that's sitting here saying like, Every single progressive policy is popular. No, like defund the police, it's a, it's a flip of the coin. You know, a lot of people, even people are like progressives are like, what do you mean by defund the police? And then when you get the conservatives in a lot of these swing districts and everything. But, you know, I, I did a video um, about this, you know, about how they blame the progressives and everything. So go check that out. Um, but so the way they the way they frame that and word that is just complete bullshit but the reason why people flop is because they weren't embracing those policies that is the problem when you have a fucking pandemic going on and people you know can't afford health care can't afford to go get you know can't afford shit 
It's like, dog, what are you talking about right now? Like, and when it comes just, just with healthcare, like literally today, I would like it was such a fucking hassle for me to make a dentist appointment. Like, I have a searing fucking toothache right now, guys, and it's like it's been hurting for a while. I've been meaning to go get it done and everything, but life, you know, complications and every whatever. But you know. One of the and I shit on Barack Obama a lot. One of the good things about the Affordable Care Act, even though I disagree with it, is the fact that you know I'm allowed to still be under my mom's health insurance. Because if if I, if I wasn't, man, I'd be fucked right now. So it's like that's why I advocate so hard for Medicare for all. Because I, you know, we're we as the younger generation, like we're the ones getting screwed over. While the older generation, you know, they they get Medicare. Or our parents, you know, they grew up in a generation where, you know, a lot of them were able to get stabilist jobs. But a lot of them have gotten, you know, uprooted by the economic turmoil. But like I said, I'm just blessed to have my mom, you know, be under my mom's insurance. But just to schedule a fucking dentist appointment to go see the dentist, it was like fucking ridiculous, man. Like, oh, uh, you need to change your name from Stockton or, you know, from, from this name to that name. I'm out here giving my government away. I ain't giving my government to y'all niggas. <laughs> um, like, you got to change your last name from this to that. And if you don't, like, you got to have the exact, like, bro, can I just come in and get my tooth fixed? Like, I have insurance. So even when you have insurance, it's still a fucking hassle just to get in to see motherfuckers so that's what people are talking about and i'm like i can't imagine somebody that doesn't have insurance and they have like real shit going on like cancer or something but um but yeah embrace those policies and you'll fucking win i promise you eight it was like 86 percent of the democratic party supports medicare for all and polling right now like just overall in the country floats anywhere from like 60 to 70 you know, I've, I've, I've even seen polls up to 79% when it comes to overall support for Medicare for all. And even when it comes to conservatives and Republicans, you know, it's, it floats around like the 60, 65% margin area and shit like that. So it's Medicare for all is a popular thing in the country. Like that Fox News, that Fox News exit poll where it was like 70%, over 70% of people want to, you know, agree with Medicare for all and by their wording, which is government run healthcare, which, um, or government healthcare, I forgot how they worded it in, in that, um, exact Fox news exit poll, but it, they had government run or government funded, whatever. But it's like, no, literally Medicare for all. It's not, uh, you know, it's not like the NHS where you have fucking, um, you know, government doctors and shit. That's not what it is. It's literally trying to copy, um, aspects of, the UK system aspects of it, but not the government doctors part, but more so the French and Canadian models where you still have, um, you know, like private practices and shit like that. But the government is the sole insurer. So basically it's getting rid of the fucking health insurance companies that fuck you over and don't insure you. And it guarantees you coverage and insurance because we had 30 million people prior to the pen. And these are, uh, Pre-pandemic numbers, 30 million people didn't have health insurance and 44 million were underinsured to the point where minus, they might as well be uninsured. So, but you still have people that argue against it and shit like that, but whatever. But the whole point is they're not embracing those policies, which is why they lost. Um, in addition, Biden and Congress will confront an uncontrolled coronavirus pandemic, a virus stifled economy and jagged divisions among voters who largely either idolize or detest outgoing President Donald Trump. And that's what they do. They like to flip it and make it about Donald Trump so they don't have to talk about any anything substantive. That's what the Democrats do. But what the Republicans do, you know, and like conservatives... They just go full on culture war shit. You feel me? Like I saw Ted Cruz posting like, "You won't take Thanksgiving from us." 
Um, you had Ben Shapiro losing his fucking mind about, you know, Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens losing their fucking minds about Harry Styles wearing a dress. Like, they talk about all this nonsense to distract you from the fact that neither party is doing anything for you. That And that's that's honestly the point of, of you know, parties, in my opinion, which is why I kind of understand, even though it's fuck the founding fathers, you know, seven days to Sunday, fuck them, all of them. But they had a point, George Washington had a point where he was like, yeah, don't do parties. And like literally as soon as that as soon as that motherfucker died, like they started doing parties. So it was like, all right. But the part the two party system there is there to give you the illusion that oh, it's two parties fighting with each other. Well, no, they're all one party. Um so yeah, so literally Pelosi like law you lost seats and you still get nominated. And they did a voice vote, which I'm gonna be talking about later. So I'm going to say that for later, but I just want to take you back. Nancy Pelosi uh, says she will run for speaker again if Democrats keep control of the House. Uh, so I find that weird. So technically, she doesn't have to leave because, you know, she fucking they still have control of the House, but she lost fucking seats. And I, I do accredit that to her. She is such an unlikable person that they've literally made her the face of the Democratic Party. Like Nancy Pelosi is the face of the Democratic Party. And then, and then I feel like when you hear conservatives talking about like the far left and shit like that, it's like AOC and shit like that. But conservatives are just so all over the place. Like I don't take a lot of their, um, when it comes to like, pull, I guess, takes, I, I don't like to use that word takes, but their point of view on the, Democratic Party, like it's always, it's always a conflict, you know. It's always like two, two. It's always things that don't fit. So it's like, oh, Joe Biden's a radical Marxist, this and that. But then they try to tell you, oh, black people, you should vote for Trump because Biden locked up all these black people and he's tough on crime. But he's not tough on crime. So it's like, bro, which one is it? Is it like? Is he tough on crime or is he not tough on crime? Then it's like, oh, Joe Biden is a radical Marxist, but then he's not, you know, then, but then Joe Biden comes out and says, I'm not banning fracking. And when you look at Joe Biden's history, like I'm somebody that lives in his fucking home state. He is, he loves big oil. You know, he negotiated. And that's why a lot of people in the state like him and love him because he negotiated, you know, a lot of um, deals for fossil fuel companies and created a lot of jobs for people in the fossil fuel industry and shit like that. So it's like, that's why people love him when I'm here in Delaware. So it's like, this nigga, this nigga's not fucking, he's not AOC Green New Deal. He's not Howie Hawkins. He's not for that shit. <laughs> um, so it's always like, it's always contradicting narratives about the Democratic Party. And then it's like, oh, so you know, Joe Biden, like, literally shits on Bernie Sanders all the time. He's not giving Bernie Sanders any position in the fucking, or Elizabeth Warren, any position in, in his fucking cabinet. Like, in my opinion, if Joe Biden wanted to win overwhelmingly, which he would have won overwhelmingly, if he would have picked Tulsi as his VP, or and if he ran with her on the ticket, he would have beat Trump overwhelmingly. And if he would have put her in his, in his cabinet, I think he would have got a good. He would have got. He would have gotten more um, goodwill towards him from some of the progressives and some conservatives and independents because a lot of them liked her. Like I think it was like it was Tulsi, Yang, and Bernie that were doing well when it came to um, polling for flipping Trump voters. Uh, it was told. It was Tulsi, uh, Yang, and Bernie. Not in that specific order, but those were the top three that had the potential to flip. Trump voters. 
which was why apparently they chose Biden because Biden could appeal to conservative Republicans, but they don't like Biden. So it's like, whatever. We shouldn't be trying to appeal to fucking like, you know, Republicans. We should be trying to appeal to policy where if you go into these, the reason why people voted for Trump is because Trump in 2016, because Trump went into these impoverished neighborhoods and was speaking the language of populism. It's very similar to what Barack Obama was doing, you know, during his campaign, except Barack Obama was speaking more, you know, not to specifically to, um, you know, these rural, or, you know, middle America areas and shit like that. Donald Trump's made it an issue to go to those middle America areas. So, and he literally won the election because he took the Rust Belt from Hillary. A lot of people that were upset with her about NAFTA. So, but Nancy Pelosi is literally that. When they think of the Democratic Party, they think of Nancy Pelosi and AOC and shit like that. But mostly Nancy Pelosi. They think of the woman who shuts your shit. You know, says you can't go get your hair done because of COVID. But then she's in. The, she's in a fucking hair salon getting her hair done with no mask on. So. I don't give a shit about shit like that. It's hypocritical, yeah, but that's you know that's not that's not what I hang my hat on when it comes to like whether I vote for somebody or not personally. So, but then again, I already know Nancy Pelosi is a piece of shit, and I know why. But whatever. But um, this is another reason why they lost because Nancy Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi was willing to let the country burn. And didn't want to come to an agreement on a stimulus deal prior to the election that Donald Trump was offering her. And now we're still in the same situations, the same situation that we were in prior, except it's, it's worse now because Republicans are going like they were already f- talking about austerity. They're not even hiding it anymore now. Like they were hi- kind of hiding it prior to, prior to the election. But now that the writing's on the wall with Trump and everything, you know, he's done, done so he's out of there. And it's like, you know, they're going full austerity right now. They don't give a shit. So it's like, you know, she literally just sacrificed lives and the economy so joe biden can get in office so they can maintain power and this is the fucking problem because both of these old fuckers right here are the same fucking person and it's like their job is to convince you that they're not and i'm saving this picture right now because it's actually kind of a dope picture i might use it for some artwork later (laughs) that's actually a fire picture i like i like a lot of these like photoshop editors i'm teaching myself photoshop right now so it's like when i see cool shit it's fucking fire but you know it's simple but it's like still cool but these two are the same person these two are the same person nancy pelosi is the same as donald trump nancy pelosi we saw nancy pelosi go full donald trump again you know again we saw her go full donald trump on wolf blitzer show when wolf blitzer actually decides to get off his you know fucking ass and actually do his job and be an actual reporter and push power and hold power accountable and it was like he held her accountable she couldn't take it because she knew she was bullshitting you We've evidently do that. not respect the chairman of the committees who I re- wrote these I respect, bills. I respect and I all of you. I wish you would respect the knowledge that goes into getting uh, the, the, meeting the needs of the American people. But again, you've been on JAG defending the administration all this time with no knowledge of the difference between our two bills. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity to say that to you in person. All right, Madam Speaker, these are, these are incredibly difficult times right now. Uh, and we'll leave it on that note. Thank you so much yeah. for joining now, we'll us. We'll leave it on the vote that you are not right on this, Wolf, and I hate to say that to uh, you. But I feel confident about it, and I feel confident about my colleagues, and I feel confidence in my chairs. It's not about me. It's about millions of Americans who can't put food on the table, who can't pay the rent, 
and we represent them, and we represent them, and we represent them. These long food lines that we're seeing. I know you are. I'm just saying. We represent them, and we know them. As we, we say, know them. We represent them. Don't let yes. the perfect be the enemy of the good, as they say. It is here nowhere in near perfect. Madam Speaker, always the case, but we're not even close to the good. All right, let's see what happens because every day is critically, critically important. So it's like you know, that's why a lot of people don't like Nancy Pelosi either. But this Jacobin Magazine art, um, article is pretty like sums it up just the title nancy pelosi should not be the next speaker of the house for a lot of the reasons that i told you in this video you know from her going back to pre before she was speaker when she was authorizing war crimes by george bush um leading up to now she's literally denying people health care um they actually have a, a bill like some type of provision in there so that like progressive policies can never get through i'll have to do more research on it i forget what it's called but um literally it's like nancy pelosi can smack it down i know it's not going to get in the through in the senate anyway so but like the fact that we have a democrat like that the fact that the democrats hold the house and we can't even get a vote on medicare for all in the house is a problem that's a fucking problem democrats are not for medicare for all they're not for they're for the private insurance companies they're not for the sick american people in this country uh i, I pull i saw this article too um McCarthy says Pelosi is sole roadblock causing COVID-19. I want to say she's the sole roadblock, but she's one of the largest roadblocks and obstructions in the path. So, um, and the fact that, you know, they did another voice vote and AOC is going to come out and lie to you again, talking about she didn't vote for Nancy Pelosi as speaker, which she did the last time and she did again. So, um, but I'm going to talk about the voice vote later on in the show. So, uh, so for this next segment, I would like to talk about this, you know, the, um, this Obama 60 Minutes interview. Um, I know he did. I think he did one with The Atlantic, I believe, as well, which I, you know, I heard it was basically the same gist. So I'm just going to cover um, the 60 Minutes interview. And uh, yeah, so I'll just um, so here's here's what bothers me with with Obama. So with this book coming out now and you know, getting um, a peek or a window into his mind during the time when he was president, I think it, it makes it even more clear that this guy was never for the people. And it's like shocking politician, not for the people. But it's like, you know, this video is more so just to continue pointing out that, but to illuminate that to the people who still believe in this myth that is Barack Obama. And, you know, it's tough to hear it. People don't want to hear it because, you know, it's the first black president and all that jazz, but it has to be said. So one of the things that stood out to me was when he was um, talking about how, you know, I, I don't know why there were people out, you know, protesting. This is when he was going for his inauguration. I don't know why there are people uh, protesting President Bush. I mean, you're supposed to reach across the aisle, not alienate him. <laughs> yeah. Probably because he started a war, an illegal offensive war that killed a lot of people's friends during that time period and their family members, you know, when they had to go over and actually serve in those wars. That's probably one reason why. Probably because they found out that the American government was torturing people um, in their name. <laughs> that, you know, that'll do it. Probably because, you know... Um, we were running mass surveillance programs on on, on American people in, in, in America. 
that'll do it too. So there's a lot of reasons to be protesting George Bush. The fact that Barack Obama doesn't understand those reasons is a problem. But then again, he did say, um, look, uh, we need to forgive the sins of the previous administration. You know, uh, we tortured some folks. Move on. Get over it. <laughs> so, But specifically in this 60 Minutes interview, though, I found it like... Again, more annoying. It was more of that reach across the aisle unity bullshit. And it's like, you know, they always they use that as code for, you know, they use that as a way to actually get away from any accountability because it's always going to be, well, we had to reach across the aisle. You know, we have to make sure all Americans are heard. Da, da, da. It's like, bro, um, I think all Americans will be heard if all Americans had fucking health care. <laughs> um, I think all Americans, you know, would be heard if. You know, um, we actually responded to the climate situation that's going on. And it's like, look, there are people that are opposed to the ways to, you know, fix it. And that's why I feel like the issue lies as well. It's just a quick side note. Like, people are opposed to the solutions. However, I feel like if you talk, if you're talking to a reasonable person, they're not going to like be oblivious to the problem unless they're just like, you know, full right wing Alex Jones, you know, conspiracy theorist and everything, which conspiracy theory isn't bad. You know, skepticism isn't bad. You know, I'm a skeptic, I guess. But it gets to the point where you're like denying like, you know, the climate is changing because of humans. That's where it's like, all right, bro. All right. Like, yeah, the climate changes. That's like that's always the response. Like, it's like. But you don't understand how we're, like, accelerating that process. But whatever. But back to Obama. But, yeah. So it was more of that reach across the aisle unity bullshit. But what really pissed me off was just this. Um, Trump's a disregard for basic institutional norms. So in my mind, when Barack Obama says that, um, it's more of, like, Trump didn't put a pretty face on American imperialism. And this clip, this is one of the clips that shows it. It's hilarious. Uh, we're keeping the oil. We have the oil. The oil is secure. Uh, we left troops behind only for the oil. And they say he left troops in Syria. You know what I did? I left troops to take the oil. I took the oil. The only troops I have are taking the oil. They're protecting the oil. I took right, over We're taking the oil. oil. We're not taking well, oil. Well, maybe we're, we will. Maybe we won't. They're I mean, protecting we, the facility. I don't know. Maybe we should take it. But we have the oil right now. The United States has the oil. So they say he left troops in Syria. No. I got rid of all of them other than we're protecting the oil. We have the oil. The Wall Street Journal is reporting. That's what he means by institutional norms that you know you tell the american people we're going to war to you know protect us from terrorism and to bring democracy to syria and overthrow their brutal dictator not oh we're there to take their oil <laughs> you know that's that's what he means by institutional norms um he tells the truth too much like in this clip you talked to putin last week you had a busy week last week. i'm pretty busy week, yeah. busy week and a half do you respect putin i do respect him do you like, why well, I respect a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get along with him. He's a leader of his country. Uh, I say it's better to get along with Russia than not. And if Russia helps us in the fight against ISIS, which is a major fight, and Islamic terrorism all over the world, right. major fight, that's a good thing. Will I get along with him? I have no idea. It's He's very a possible killer, I though. Won't. Putin's a killer. A lot of killers. We got a lot of killers. Well, you think our country's so innocent? You think our country's so innocent? I don't know of any government leaders that are killers in America. Well, take a look at what we've done to 
We made a lot of mistakes. I've been against the war in Iraq from the beginning. Yeah, mistakes are different then. A lot of mistakes, okay, but a lot of people were killed. So a lot of right. killers around, believe me. Let's talk about and I find it funny how Bill O'Reilly was just like stuck because he was like, you know, look at the mistakes we made, like the Iraq war. And he could have kept going. Um, how we tortured, ran a fucking torture program around the world. How we persecute journalists like Julian Assange. How we bomb the fuck out of multiple different countries. How we starve people via sanctions against countries like Iran and Venezuela then wonder why they don't like us. So a lot of people have died. And, you know, it kind of alludes to, he's kind of alluding to without, with without knowing but alluding to the body count of capitalism and when i say that i i bring up that because you always hear the conservative and even like your neoliberal talking point um about how about the body count that communism has look at the body count of capitalism everything from slavery everything from the endless fucking bullshit wars um everything from the people who have died from not having health insurance and like it's 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 a lot of factors that add up to shit so when you have this you know unbalanced argument about it like like you need to even the playing field and talk about it fairly when you talk about the body count of communism versus capitalism but that's a completely different conversation for another day but um also now in this clip how he goes in on the um military industrial complex like no president has since eisenhower and i'm gonna um splice that clip in there as well but check this out in the councils of government we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies, in the final sense, a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and are not clothed. This world in arms is not spending money alone. It is spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, the hopes of its children. The cost of one modern heavy bomber is this, a modern brick school in more than 30 cities. It is two electric power plants, each serving a town of 60,000 population. It is two fine, fully equipped hospitals it is some 50 miles of concrete. We pay for a single fighter plane with a half million bushels of wheat. We pay for a single destroyer with new homes that could have housed Iran and well, more I'm the one than that talks about these wars that are 19 years and people are just there. And don't kid yourself, you do have a military industrial complex. They do like war. You know, in Syria with the caliphate, so I wipe out 100% of the caliphate. That yeah. doesn't mean you're not going to have these crazy people going around blowing up stores and blowing up things. These are seriously ill people. I don't want to say, oh, they're wiped out, you know, ISIS. But I wiped out 100% of the caliphate. I say, I want to bring our troops back home. The place went crazy. They want to keep, they, you have people here in Washington. They, they never want to leave. I say, you know what I'll do? I'll leave a couple of hundred soldiers behind. But if it was up to them, they bring thousands of soldiers in. Someday people will explain it. Well, this but, is an but example. You do have you do have a group, and they call it the military-industrial complex. They never want to leave. They always want to fight. No, I don't want to fight. And it's like you know, when the war machine is starting, you know, they pull out all the stops. I feel like that's 
what Russiagate was really about. You feel me? Especially when you get into the nitty gritty of how, like, you know, um, Obama basically, like, was one of the architects of Russiagate, basically put um, pushing the Russian narrative on the Donald Trump to undermine his presidency. They also don't like when he, and speaking of Russia, they don't like where the man is talking about de-escalating tensions with Russia. And like, you know, that was what he wanted to do. But however, when you, when, you know, looking back, if you actually look at everything he's done, uh, you know, with Russia, you know, and dealing with them, he's escalated tensions with them. All, uh, in my opinion, all, all based off the precipice of trying to prove that there's no, you know, there's no, there's no collusion, as he likes to say. Well, I think he was so hard and hawkish on them to prove that. There's even segments of like Rachel Maddow and shit where she's literally like telling Donald Trump to put NATO troops to push to get NATO troops on Russia's border, which is literally like a very threat. Like that's, pu that's pushing us closer to war, um, literally like it was us putting, you know, rockets in Turkey back in the 60s. Um, warheads in Turkey that forced Russia, put them in a position to, you know, reach out to their ally and put warheads in Cuba. And that's how we got the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, you know, it's a very weird situation with Russia. But the fact that, you know, he was saying that at a time when the Russia hysteria was at an all-time high. And somebody, even like somebody like Bill Riley, you see like Fox News is even on board with, you know, the, the Russia-gating, you know, the red-baiting bullshit. Because you see Bill O'Reilly like Putin's a thug, this and that. Bill O'Reilly saying that shit. Like, you would think that was, like, Lawrence O'Donnell or fucking Chris Hayes or some shit. But no, it was um, Bill O'Reilly. Um, you know, it gets to the point with Russiagate where, and, you know, I'm not going to go all, all into it and everything like that. Um, but when Trump yells fake news, um, he's right. Because literally for three years of his term, where, which literally, if you, you know, um, you, you should check out The Gray Zone and check out... Aaron Matei, he does great reporting on there. He just recently had, um, I forget what the guy's name is that's in um, Trump's, cam uh, Trump's campaign. He was one of the people that got indicted. But um, he had him on to basically, basically explain that, um, you know, the media has been blowing his um, complicitness or his testimonies and shit like that out of proportion when it comes to Russia. I'm about to look it up right now. I'm literally looking it up right now because I want to get, I'm, I want you guys to really check this out. The gray zone and the gray zone does great work by the way like if you're not peeping the gray zone whether it's their youtube page or their print you guys should definitely check it out hang on i'm pulling it up right now though Eric. rick gates that was the guy like that was he was the smoking gun he was going to be the one that unveils every unveils everything and like basically during this gray zone interview he was just like, yeah, nah, that's like the media was blowing that shit out of proportion. And look, he's a Trump guy, but, you know, everything he's saying is factual. These are, you know, these are the documents that were coming out of the Mueller report and how they left out certain things out of the Mueller report to to formulate a narrative around Trump. And that was the whole purpose of it, to formulate this narrative, you know, this Trump Russian narrative and the Obama administration helped with that. So and also when he yells fake news. He's right, because the media was complicit with the propaganda in Iraq war, um, with the propaganda surrounding the Iraq war. There were very few voices that were against the Iraq war, very few voices. And, you know, 
He he like whether Donald Trump was against it at the time or not, he's not afraid to call out, yo, you guys were spreading propaganda like here during the Republican primary against Jeb Bush. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake. All right. Now, you can take it any way you want. And it took Jeb. It took Jeb Bush, if you remember, at the beginning of his announcement, when he announced for president, took him five days. He went back. It was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. Took him five days before his people told him what to say. And he ultimately said it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives. We don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. We so, can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. But so you, so I mean, so you still think he should be impeached? I think it's my turn, isn't it? You do whatever you want. You call it whatever you want. I want to tell you, they lied. Okay. They said there were weapons of mass destruction. There were none, and they knew there were none. There were no weapons of mass okay. destruction. Okay. All right, Governor Bush. When a member on the stage's brother gets attacked, I get brother about gets five or six. Do I get to do it five or six times or just once nice. responding to that? So here's the deal. I'm sick and tired of Barack Obama blaming my brother for all of the problems that he's had. And frankly, I could, I could care less about the insults that Donald Trump gives to me. It's blood sport for him. He enjoys it, and I'm glad he's happy about it. He but I am sick and tired, I am sick and tired of him going after my family. My dad is the greatest man alive in my mind. And while, while Donald Trump was building a reality TV show, my brother was building a security apparatus to keep us safe, and I'm proud of what he did. He's had the gall to go the after the World my Trade mother. Center came He's down had during the gall your brother's to go after reign. My mother. Remember that. Hold on. Let me finish. He's had the gall to go after my mother. That's not keeping Look, us I won safe. the lottery when I was born 63 years ago and looked up and I saw my mom. mom my mom is the strongest woman I know. She should this be is running. not about okay. my. And by the way, like, can we just like talk about how much of a smackdown he put down on fucking uh, Jeb Bush? I think I said George Bush before, but uh, just the smackdown he put the. Chef Bush, the Twin Towers went down under your brother. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Jeb Bush is just like a he sounds like a little whiny baby all the time. Like, my brother, uh, I'm tired of Barack Obama blaming my brother for his like your brother kind of like crashed the economy, got us into two illegal wars, <laughs> ran torture, <laughs> ran torture programs around the world, ushered in mass surveillance on the American people like. Look, Barack Obama's a fucking piece of shit too, but your your brother's probably worse. Like George Bush is probably look. I like to say for shock value that Barack Obama is the worst president of my lifetime. I say that for shock value to get people like, you know, to shake people out of their apathy when I'm talking about Barack Obama. But George Bush is probably the worst president of, of my lifetime. And honestly one of the worst presidents ever in the history of presidents. But I think Obama Obama's top twenty. Obama's top 20 worst presidents, in my opinion. Donald Trump is in there, too. Top 20. But, um, yeah, so when he's put when he's pointing out, you know, the media's propaganda and their bullshit, he's right a lot of the time. And especially, like, what I, you know, I'm, and I'm going to get into this, into this as well, but, you know, the whole censorship campaign surrounding Joe Biden and everything, it's like, man, you, you prove him right all the time. So, um... 
Uh, so, so yeah, so Trump, Trump disregards basic institutional norms. Like it's okay to bomb countries into oblivion. So long as you're, um, you know, you stick to civility and decorum while doing it. Like also in the gray zone, I was just watching, um, um, it was, I think it was Max Blumenthal that had her on, that, that had this woman on and she, she, she's a Yemenese American and she was just detailing how brutal the war was. Well, guess what? Barack Obama started that Yemen war. Like, you know, I look on Instagram and see people posting shit about, you know, like, oh, we need to end the Yemen war. And it's kind of like they do it through an anti-Trump lens, not knowing that, hey, the guy you're fucking voting for to get Trump out of office started that war with Barack Obama. So let me ask you about the Obama camp, uh, which now will be coming back to power. And in the last few years of Trump supporting this mass murder in Yemen, it's been curious to see the Obama administration veterans try to justify their initial decision to greenlight this war. It was them that started this. They said it was a mistake. They regret it. But they've offered some um, interesting rationale. So I want to quote you Ben Rhodes, a former top aide to Obama. This is what he told The Nation magazine as to why Obama decided very quickly, without much debate, to greenlit, uh, to greenlight the Saudi invasion of Yemen. Rhodes said this, quote, Our basic theory was that by being somewhat engaged, we could deal with the inevitable Saudi intervention in Yemen while seeking to impose limits on what they did and try to broker something diplomatically. And the nation goes on to say that Rhodes and his colleagues expected that Hillary Clinton would prevail in 2016 and would continue to use diplomatic levers to rein in the Saudis. What's your response to that? Um, I think that's just them trying to justify war crimes. Um, the reality is that this war was not announced from Saudi Arabia. It was announced by the Saudi foreign minister in English, not in Arabic, from Washington, D.C., not from Riyadh. Uh, Obama's administration on May 25th, May 26th, uh, 2015, went to war in Yemen, providing logistical support, providing everything under the sun, um, including targeting assistance, you know, choosing the targets, helping them drop the bombs, training their soldiers and uh, maintaining and repairing their vehicles and aircrafts, and of course, selling them hundreds of billions of dollars in weapons, not because they're trying to curtail something here, but, you know, they're trying to appease the Saudis because of the Iran deal that had just happened just before that. And also Yemen, uh, you know, is at a very strategically important location. It controls Bab el-Mandab Strait, where 6.8 million barrels of oil and oil products travel per day to Europe and to Asia. So it's not like this country has nothing to offer. It's, you know, it's in a location that was strategic of of strategic importance. It's so strategically important that China has its first and only base in Djibouti right across that um, strait on the other side of that strait. Um, And so I think the Obama administration has done a lot to, in recent years, uh, distance themselves from Yemen, but they have had no accountability, no reckoning of the fact that they were going to make a lot of money from the Saudis through weapon sales and through all the contracts. They knew exactly what they were doing. They wanted to make sure that they have a government in Yemen that continues to serve the interests of um, the United States and Saudi Arabia, as they had with previous presidents in Yemen. Um, and the Houthis were going to be an obstacle to that. And, um, you know, they thought that the Saudis could get 
in and out very quickly. It was, of course, a very naive thing to assume about, um, you know, occupation. Uh, and they failed and it became a humanitarian crisis. And now they just wanted to call it Trump's war and say how bad it was, uh, but without really recognizing the war crimes that they helped commit in Yemen. And so what do you think has to happen when Biden, when Biden takes office? Do you think, do you expect him to do anything immediately when it comes to Yemen? He should. And we should push him. And by we, I mean, um, you know, activists and um, progressive groups should push him to not only do this by executive order, because that can be overturned by the next president, but to enshrine in law, um, you know, the uh, an end to U.S. support for the Saudi led coalition, whether it's through intelligence or weapon sharing or uh, weapon sales or any other way that they're supporting them, because, of course, the Saudis rely entirely on the United States, almost entirely on the United States. Um, but we have to get another war powers resolution passed and Biden has to sign that in his in within the first hundred days. Uh, this can't wait. Um, it can't be something on the back burner. He cannot make a backdoor deal with Saudi Arabia where they divide Yemen up and offer them whatever part that they want so that they can leave and save face. Um, this has to be, you know, um, done publicly and um, restore basically Yemen's sovereignty by pulling out from the Saudi-led coalition. Um, and then we'll see that the Saudi-led coalition isn't able to accomplish much without the United States support. And it's like, you know, again, Barack Obama, he's a smooth-talking motherfucker, man. He's like, you know, he's he's the black Bill Clinton. He's Bill Clinton 2.0. He's the neoliberal's wet dream. Like, that is the neoliberal agenda right there. You know, a minority who rose through the ranks of capitalism and, and profit and shit like that. And it's like, man, nobody gave a shit because he was black. And look, I, I was too young to understand a lot of what was going on during that time period. But even when I got older, you know, I just bought into the myth that was Barack Obama and the, you know, the democratic machine and everything. But now, you know, when you wake up to it, it's kind of hard to go back to sleep. I, 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 I'm, I hate to use the woke analogy because like, I hate, you know, the woke niggas and shit, but, um, yeah. So, and honestly, like, look, the bottom line is, uh, Donald Trump, he brings too much attention to the fuckery our country engages in. He woke a lot of people up to politics. A lot of people, it was like when he won, it was like, wow, like, I guess it really is important that we vote, you know, whether you wanted him in or not. But it was like he woke a lot of people up. You couldn't, you know, go to brunch. And that's the problem. You feel me? Like, everybody was like, oh, if Hillary, you know, I saw those signs. If Hillary won, like, we'd be at brunch right now. And I'm, and that's why Donald Trump won, because not enough people give a shit. And people that have to live, you know, the people that aren't living in these urban cities and shit, you know, people that aren't, that aren't part of the neoliberal machine that are workers, it's like they suffer. And it's like, you know, nobody gives a shit. And it's 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 honestly black workers because like look white when white white people like it's I like to say this I feel like white people are just now seeing the suffering that um, working class black people have been seeing for decades in this country and it's like you know they white people didn't give a shit then when it was black people but now that it's you that's when it's you know magnified and you want to get somebody in there like Trump so. You know, I'm not trying to shit on the plight of people, but you got to understand that this is something that black people and black working class people have been going through for fucking decades, man. The disenfranchisement, you know, people not giving a shit about them. And this is something that's been going and then, and then we, you know, 
we black people got called deplorables for their situations or, you know, they got arrested for, you know, dealing with their fucked up situations, whether it was through drugs. You feel me? Like Ronald Reagan, um, the Ronald Reagan era policies on crack. Like you, you're not going to sit here and tell me that there's not a core, you know, there's not a very similar trend between the crack epidemic and the opium ep- epidemic. The difference is that the opium epidemic is treated as a mental health crisis, whereas the crack epidemic that was affecting black people was treated as a criminal, um, treated as a criminal issue and it was a reason to put black people in jail and it's like nobody wants to admit admit that and admit that you know that was used to create the prison um system to the um privatized prison system which joe biden strengthened and you know the 94 crime bill you know drugs everything but go even going back to nixon with the war on drugs you know Black people didn't see the milk and honey during the 50s and 60s that everybody saw. But now that white people ain't seeing that milk and honey no more, that's when niggas is supposed to care. And that's where it's, I feel like where the where the um the misalignment and non you know and lack of understanding of each other comes with, you know, between black and white people right now like race relations and everything is because like we're supposed to give a shit about your situation now, but you could give a fuck less when it was us in this position. Guess what? I don't care. I don't care. And I, and I, you know, I see that perspective and I understand that perspective. And I also see the white perspective somewhat, not from the sense, not from the, like, not trying to not understanding, like, you know, I'm not absolving or understanding or forgiving of, you know, when they were ignoring black plights, but seeing, like seeing anybody like the working, you know, the struggling working class and shit like that, you know, I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be for workers and shit like that. I'm going to ride for workers, but you like, you know, it's something that you got to understand. Black people have been going through this shit for decades. And now that it's affecting everybody, you know, now it's a problem. So, and I feel like that's what black, you know, what black, what the black community is trying to point out right now. So, um, just moving on with this Obama shit. Um, Obama says truth decay, um, truth, truth, decay, not tooth decay, but truth decay has been accelerated under President Trump. Not only do we not have to tell the truth, but the truth doesn't even matter. So um, I have to ask, you know, um, why isn't President Obama met with the same vitriol as Trump for the 25 million immigrants that he deported? And people just ignore that fact. Like, as you can see on this chart right here, like Trump is not going to touch his numbers. Now, this story, um, I forget, I think it was like Peter Sutter. I forget what the... um, reporter's name is that did this story but um basically he um went to like the a lot of these like um safe haven cities and shit like that and law enforcement under donald trump stopped cooperating you know with ice officials and shit like that because they don't like trump so it was okay to do this it was okay to deport all these immigrants you know when it was the black guy with a muslim name doing it but it's not okay when you know donald trump's doing it because of his rhetoric and things like that and another thing, I feel like Donald Trump's rhetoric gets, like, is he racist or is he, like, you know, racist towards um, Mexicans and shit like that? I don't know. You know, some of the sh- I feel like some of the shit he says is def- def- definitely is ignorant. I think a lot of it is for shock value, though, or shit like that. He's a, he's a shock jockey. However, when it comes to his rhetoric about illegal immigrants 
and the correlation of that with workers wages that is something that a lot of people have talked about before somebody like bernie sanders for example in this clip right here we need legislation which will improve wages and income in america lower the poverty rate and expand the middle class that's the legislation we need unfortunately the guest worker provisions in this bill which will bring many hundreds of thousands of lower wage workers into this country will only make a bad situation even worse will drive down wages even further not only for low wage american workers but for highly skilled professionals as well i believe we have very serious immigration problems uh, in this country i think as you've heard today sanctions against employers who hire illegal immigrants is virtually non-existent our border is very porous uh, and i think we need a path to citizenship which i think this bill addresses in a significant way my main concern about this bill is what it will do in terms of driving wages down not only for low-wage workers but for professional skilled workers as well and i think at a time when the middle class is shrinking the last thing we need is to bring over a period of years millions of people into this country who are prepared to lower wages for American workers. I think it's a bad idea. What we're trying to do here is make the case that for American workers, this is a bad piece of legislation. We hope that Democrats and Republicans will vote against it and, and make it a better bill. I think this legislation, as I think you've heard, will probably do more harm than good. Obviously, we need major comprehensive immigration reform. I think we're all in agreement on that. But we don't need a bill which contains provisions which will continue the shrinking, accelerate the shrinking of the middle class and increase poverty in America today. Now, Bernie cleans it up like, you know, um, he cleans it up, which differentiates him from Trump. But however, Bernie saw the correlation between, a, you know, the influx of illegal immigrants in this country and wages. It drives down wages. It's just something that people don't want to admit. And it's like, you know that but people see that as putting the blame on the immigrants like no because you'll hear me i'll be the first person to tell you that our foreign policy is a lot and, and the war on drugs is the reason why we you know we have these influx of refugees not just immigrants refugees because we've literally turned their countries into failed states all through the 80s like it's been a policy of setting south america on fire all through the 80s till now like even like with Barack Obama, that's something else I wanted to tell you. Now, I'd even put it on this list, but Barack Obama's Fast and Furious campaign where he poured all those fucking weapons into Mexico. Like, so, so get this. This is this is Barack Obama's and the DEAs and all these fucking intelligence agencies and shit like that. That's why I say they're all full of shit because they're fucking morons. This is their big, bright fucking idea. Their idea was, hey, guys, you know what? Let's give weapons I, yeah, I'm about to explain it like the, like the white sterner guy in the meeting. Yeah, I got a great idea. How about we give weapons to the cartels and we put trackers on them so when they buy all the weapons, we can track the weapons to them. Oh, man, yo, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. Nobody in the room was like, what if they can tell that the weapons are marked and they just leave the marked weapons behind and take all the ones that aren't marked? Like literally, I like literally, I wish somebody would have said that in that room. But I feel like our our fucking you know our our governments are so inept and dumb that I don't believe that. But also, I do. I, on the flip side, though, I feel like that was some nefarious shit 
to um because actually when you read into actually why they did that it was basically regime change but with cartels they didn't like this specific they didn't like a specific cartel down there so that's why they armed that cartel to take out the other the other cartel that they didn't like so they gave guns to the cartel that they favored to take out the cartel that they didn't favor so that was also revealed but so you poured all those guns down there and turned you know basically a hot a hot spot like mexico into a fucking you know especially a lot of these you know the, like mexico has some of the most violent places in the world like i didn't know that but they have a lot of like violent like a lot of their city i think mexico city is like one of the most violent places it's like up there with like afghanistan and iraq and shit but um you poured all those weapons down there and made a bad situation worse so that was uh, Barack Obama's bright fucking idea. But again, that's our, you know, our foreign policy is what we should be focusing on. And, um, you know, stop in the drug war, in the fucking drug war. Like, that's why, you know, I'm glad Portland went out and legalized, you know, just all drugs. Because when you legalize drugs, you know, it removes the black market in the area like portugal has been doing very well since they've like decriminalized drugs and legalized drugs so um but yeah so but bernie sanders is saying this shit you know a lot of democrats have said this shit in the past they're just scared to say it now because the identity politics that they run on is on overdrive right now and you got dumbasses like aoc who just like you know, I'm not saying she advocates for open borders, but she alludes to it. Let's be real. That's why, you know, I'll concede that to conservatives. Like a lot of these progressives do advocate for open borders because they think, you know, and they and, I, and I'm not saying it's nefarious. I'm saying they want to see the good and, you know, and people and, you know, they just want people to be OK, including, you know, illegals that come over here because they're coming from shitty lives that, you know, most of the time America caused. However, you have to be realistic and pragmatic and realize that you still you have you have a obligation to American citizens first. And then you feel, so it's like and it's a tricky it's a tricky situation to be in because like do I want to be a heartless asshole if you know some mother coming with her five kids over here like you know running from literally certain death in a lot of these countries and violent deaths at that where you know like a lot of these women get they're you know they get mutilated by these cartels and shit it's horrible shit going on but it's like you know again work within the foreign policy you know stop voting for increases in you know these fucking intelligence community budgets and the um war budgets that the squad keeps voting for like they voted for the extension of the patriot act under trump they voted for you know the the um the war budget they vote for all this shit so it's like you know don't come out and and advocate for these ideas when you're still voting for the cause of those you know those situations to happen and problems to happen so um yeah so and so i'm just gonna keep moving so i'm like why why is the truth of the biden family's corruption stifled then if like you know if truth the case started under trump so i don't know if you guys have ever seen this but so the whole hunter biden ukrainian burisma story like hunter biden's a corrupt piece of shit you know his, him jet setting on air force two or whatever plane the vice president flies in and shit around with his dad like crack you know cutting deals with china and shit like that they're like the bidens are corrupt even when you look back in the past with uh joe biden's older brother he's corrupt as shit like they're all they're fucking corrupt 
the the Bidens are corrupt. If you don't know that, I'm sorry to break that to you. The Bidens are corrupt. And I'm somebody from Delaware and like I feel like it's a common consensus with people that aren't, you know, up their asses that Joe Biden is corrupt. Like people know this shit. Even people from like Pennsylvania, you know, they're corrupt as shit. But there's literally video out there of Joe Biden bragging about um bragging about holding um, arms to Ukraine hostage or funding. I think, I don't know if it was like, so it was $2 billion, but I don't know if it was 2 billion in like, you know, weapons and shit to arm them against Russia. Or if it was like, you know, legit $2 billion that was going to be used to buy weapons. I don't know if that would, whatever the case was, but literally Joe Biden was bragging about doing it. The same thing Donald Trump got impeached for, which was, there was a um, prosecutor that was going after Hunter Biden's company. So Hunter Biden was Hunter Biden was in the line of sight. And Joe Biden basically put in a call and said, hey, you know, if you don't drop the case and fire that guy, you're not getting anything from us. And then at first, when I first saw the clip, because it was a part where he was like, ask the president, he'll tell you the same thing. I didn't get what that meant. However, I saw a later story on the Hill, um, Sagar and Crystal covered it, where they were talking about how Obama invited like the Ukrainian president at the time or the their leadership and shit like that. I don't know if it was their president exactly. And Obama pressured them the same way about the same issue, like, yo, drop this case. So it was like blatant wanton corruption, but like, you know, that's that that's okay. It's okay as long as it's Obama and Biden. So um and just going on, truth decay, like, literally, Obama, your predecessor lied us into an illegal offensive war. And Obama continued those lies to keep us in those wars. And then, like, you know, recently in his, in his book, he was talking about how he doesn't understand why people are out there protesting Bush. Well, somebody who's a lying piece of shit like you wouldn't understand Obama. You're right. You wouldn't understand. So... And then it's like, you know, the Afghanistan papers revealed the lies like, you know, you for, from the last three administrations from Obama, from Bush, Obama and Trump that, you know, none of the, the generals in Afghanistan don't know why we're there. You know, they're you know, they're going to keep sending the invoices or they're going to keep asking for money and the government's going to keep writing the checks to them because endless war, you know, we're there to pad the pockets of the military industrial complex. That's what we're there. But like there's no target objective. We're there forever in these forever wars. And like like, you know, like I talked about earlier, everybody loses their fucking minds when Trump wants to end war. So it's like, again, this whole truth decay bullshit, like all this bullshit, basically like this gas, like this is Barack Obama gaslighting and Barack Obama is the most effective gaslighter because of who he, what, what people think he is and what people thought he re or think he represents and thinks he's a representation of. And that's why Barack Obama is so effective. You feel me? I feel like people saw through Kamala Harris. So Kamala Harris doesn't have that Obama effect, but Obama still has that effect on people. He gets me sometimes. You feel me? He still makes me believe at times where, you know, it's, he's he has a hypnotic way of speaking. And it's like, he, you know, seeing a black guy that had that power and everything, you know, that was something special to see in 2008. So I still get caught up in those feelings, but I have to snap myself like, yo, he, he, he's Bush. He's literally Bush. He's just a black guy. And it's like, you know, people got to get over this Obama, you know, this mysticism around Obama and shit like that, man. Like, the, and these interviews, in my mind, prove it. It's like, 
This motherfucker will gaslight you a million miles per second, just like the fucking squad will, you know, just like all these motherfuckers will. And they just don't give a shit about you at all, at all. All they care about is their, you know, um, committee positions and their career. They're career climbers. That's what they are. They're like every other politician. And it sucks because just when you think you have somebody that will fight for you, you know, the carpet gets ripped from out under you. But I think that happens because, again, as I say all the time in this channel, you know, we need to look at ourselves, you know, um, and all the stars, you know, the Kendrick Lamar song, I hate to get corny here, but, you know, he talks, he says, like, you, you need a hero, look in the mirror, that's your hero, and it's like, that's what we need right now, you feel me, um, it's gonna take just us, not these fucking corrupt pieces of shit, so, uh, I'm gonna move on to the next topic, so, here we go. All right, so, uh, so, yeah, so, just, like, a little, um, I just want to do a little quick hit, uh, local, kind of like a local story a little bit from close out the show today, the first official Tox Talk show. <laughs> kind of proud of it. I finally finished it, man. Like I got, I mean, not finished it, but finally got around to doing it. It's, it takes a lot to, you know, do a, a show. Like I didn't realize it, but I'm not here to talk about, it. we're here to talk about legal weed in Delaware. So, um, I live in Delaware for those of you that don't know, that don't know. And I kind of found this story interesting. So, um, Legal weed in Delaware. Pressure is on following New Jersey passage. So, you know, New Jersey voted for the legalized marijuana. Um, supporters of legal weed hope that New Jersey voters overwhelming approval to legalize marijuana will be the final push needed for Delaware lawmakers to do the same, especially if residents end up driving across the bridge and funneling tax revenue to the state next door, which literally me and all my friends have been already talking about. <laughs> so, um, the Democrat-controlled General Assembly has for several years been on the cusp of legalizing marijuana for adult use, with only a few extra lawmakers needed in order to pass a bill in Delaware. Those extra votes could be there now after several new Democrats occupy seats in the state house next next year. Add in a dramatic pan, you know, a, add in a dramatic pandemic prop, prompted state revenue shortfall, and proponents are hopeful that 2021 will finally be the year. So, of course, it's it's all motivated by money and taxes and shit, but whatever. Uh, with New Jersey legalizing cannabis last week, we believe it puts even more pressure on Delaware lawmakers to also legalize cannabis here, said Zoe Pet Petchel, lobbyist and director of the Delaware Cannabis Advocacy Network last week. The bill sponsor, Representative Ed Osiensky, a Democrat of Newark, thinks he has enough support in the House to send it over to the Senate, where Democrats now out outnumber Republicans two to one. The bill needs three-fifths of lawmakers' support since it includes a tax. Okay. But lawmakers already can't seem to agree on a bill, including how to spend the tax revenue that could end up stalling the bill. All the while, Delawareans could be going to New Jersey to buy marijuana legally. It has to be consumed um, to buy marijuana legally. It has to be consumed in New Jersey. Niggas ain't going niggas going to nigg, bro. <laughs> Other mid-Atlantic mid states are also considering their own law changes, which would only increase competition and drive revenue out of the first state. Uh, ripple effects across oh yeah. within a year, maybe a little longer. Their their new uh, their New Jersey's program uh, will be up and running. Osiansky said. So my question to my colleagues is, how long do you want to send money over the bridge, tax money over the bridge to New Jersey? If we can start working on in a grand old language, we can be neck and neck with them. Osiansky sponsored last session's bill. 
but it never made it out of the house. This 2020 bill will look exactly like the one he introduced in 2019. Hmm, that's interesting. So yeah, just you know, I just wanted to touch on that real quick. Find it weird. Like obviously I'm gonna be happy if marijuana gets legalized, you know. I'm not like a and I'm not like a pothead or anything like that. It's just like, you know, like why is marijuana still like criminalized? It makes no fucking sense. Even on a federal level, it just makes no sense. But um and especially since the fact you got states voting to legalize it, like um Mississippi was it? Mississippi, I believe, just literally like legalized medical marijuana along with South Dakota. Actually, I think they fully legalized it like for recreational use up in one of the, I forget, see where North Dakota or South Dakota, I believe it's South Dakota now, but they legalized it up there and then obviously New Jersey. So, um, yeah, so I just want to do a quick hit on that because I feel like, man, let's legalize it, yo. It'll put a major dent in a drug war. Um, and honestly, I think when you legalize a lot of drugs, you know, a lot of once you legalize it, you take away the stigma of, you know, it being taboo. You honestly, I think you'll get a lot of people not doing it just for that fact, which I think is a lot of people like, you know, because a lot of people like if you talk to a lot of marijuana, people that smoke marijuana, not like on a regular, but just people in general, they're not like it's, it's not like they're ardent on um you know, being potheads. It's more so because it's illegal and it forces them. It's that, you know, just that nature of they tell me not to do it, so I'm going to do it. So, um, but I don't know. It's just weird. It's weird that it's, well, it's not weird. It makes sense why it's still illegal, but um, yeah. This is a segment I'm going to call Bendu Unchained where I just go to fuck off. Hey! Don't lay your palms flat on that tabletop! If you lift those palms off that turtle shell tabletop, Mr. Pooch is going to let loose with both barrels that start off. There have been a lot of lies set around this dinner table here tonight, but that you can believe. So I want to say here, I want to talk about this voice vote bullshit. You feel me? So AOC, is, this is my problem, yo. Like, and, and look, y'all can see I go at AOC too much. You feel me? Y'all can see I be coming at Shorty too much. It's like, look, I'm a person. I used to like her. I used to love her because of how she was, man. How she came in there, you know, she ousted a fucking corporate Democrat and shit. Hold on, I'm taking a drink. Cause I got a drink cause I'm about to be fired. <laughs> But how she ousted that corporate Democrat that she ran against. She came in there boycotting Pelosi like, yo, bitch, do your job. This is like coming at Pelosi. Then all of a sudden that shit changed. Switched like that. She learned the game. She got assimilated into the corporate machine. And it's like when it came came down to it, you know, she, she capitulates. She voted for Nancy Pelosi as... Um, speaker along with the rest of the fucking squad voted for her speaker the first time around and then was like oh she's the mama bear of fuck out of here dog fuck out of here do you what you you're not going to get any agenda going voting for this shorty dog you're not going to get any agenda voting for this bitch that has a fucking 20 percent approval rating she's less liked than donald trump People like Nancy Pelosi less than Donald Trump, and you keep voting for her. 
that's and then it's like it's just infuriating. And then it's like you know going to the CARES Act. You voted for the CARES Act, then turned around and gaslighted your fucking people like you didn't. And that is a fucking issue for me. Same thing with Bernie. Bernie was talking about how he got these, like, got the unemployment provisions in there when you didn't. It was somebody else that got that provision in there. And they let you put your fucking name on it so you could gaslight your people as well. So all these fucking progressives are gaslighting. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi gives them cover in exchange for their, for their, um, uh, um, for them caving in you know that's why she they do these voice votes so people don't see through the bullshit because progressives are there in the democratic party to give you the illusion that we can that you can reform the party when you're not reforming that fucking party it's too much money that flows through that party like even when shaheed batar i hope i'm saying his name right when he was running against pelosi literally the donors came out and said if pelosi loses we're pulling all our funding out of that party and they blacked that nigga the fuck out you just saw him on no fucking outlets after that when the donors starting to pull that bread if she loses they blackout ignored him altogether throughout them fuck them fucking bullshit me too allegations and y'all jumped all over that shit like all y'all fucking motherfuckers that still believe in this electoral system is all fucking sheep bro that's what all y'all are and like aoc and shit man just sticking to the voice vote like it like you're that, that is that is the most like that is the most like 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 just bitch ass shit ever you're gonna sit here and vote for this john then hop on that stage doing this performative acting you know coming at republicans like this is crumbs this and that yo keep that energy towards pelosi and schumer they helped negotiate that deal with mnuchin and trump and mcconnell they all orchestrated that shit so you need to be talking to them why they didn't put certain provisions in there why there's more goodies for the richest fuckers in the country and not the people but you're not going to do that bro that's not you're not about that life you're not about sticking your neck out none of y'all are and that's you know it, it it's, it's just it's, it's so annoying to see and then like when you try to have legit conversations you know with like you know with lefties and shit like that they can't get over that none of these motherfuckers are going to help us dog like stop you, you like you're still believing in superman you feel me you still believe in santa claus like that's what aoc is that's what cory bush is that's what jamal bowman is that's what rashida talib is that's what ilhan omar is ilhan omar who's um going against trump for ending war yeah, that's what Ilhan Omar is there for. That's what Bernie Sanders is there for. That's what Elizabeth fucking Warren is there for. That that's what Tulsi Gabbard is there for. To give you the illusion that you can overtake that party when it's not gonna fucking happen. Cause when it came down to it, they all bent the knee to a fucking demented, warmongering piece of shit like fucking Joe Biden. And that's all, you know, that was me going unchained full, you know, because it's like, these, these, like, it's gaslighting, bro. You're gaslighting people. You're giving people a false sense of hope. And to me, that's just like fucking, like, sickening in my opinion, because it's like, y'all know what it is. Stop it. Y'all fuck, y'all is nasty. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and end that there. And, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and close the show out there. So, uh, thanks for tuning in to the first episode of Tox Talk. It took me forever to get this done. But, um, yeah, I'm going to try to do episodes Mondays and Thursdays. So, obviously, I'm posting this on a Wednesday. It just, like, I didn't, I didn't time everything right. 
because you know it's just time scheduling and then with you know my work schedule and everything it's been hectic but mondays and thursdays i'm going to try and get it done so this thursday there's going to be a show um i'm gonna try and drop it in the mornings at like 6 a.m so you guys can check it out whenever and um but yeah hopefully eventually this will lead to me you know after i get it going for a while get a few episodes deep you feel me uh i'm gonna try and do a live show eventually see how that works but if y'all like this let me know you know let me know structure wise you know editing wise what could be better because obviously like i know what could be better this is my first time putting together a show like literally all i've ever done is those short video clips you all see and like you know the longer ones i literally just turn the mic on and it's more than likely i'm just ranting about something but um been trying to get more formulaic or not formulaic but been trying to get more um structured again because i started off writing scripts and i know i shouldn't be telling you guys this but y'all my peoples i'm gonna tell y'all started off writing scripts as i could tell sounded very scripted and very polished but now like i see people like realness people like rawness but sometimes i do think i get too real and i get too raw if there's ever such a thing there is wear protection (laughs) But, um, uh, but you know like sometimes you know it, it you still have to have some form of i guess professionalism but it's, then again it's fucking youtube so who knows but just let me know what y'all what you guys think um whether you hated the show whether you loved it liked it you know think it could be better just let me know and uh thank you again for tuning in and i'm excited i finally finished it and uh peace be easy this is bendu signing off live talk bye